When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Barbera. It's been two weeks. Feels like it's been two months. We have some things to talk about. Some Raven news, some NFL news, Harbaugh being Harbaugh. But before we dive into it, gotta introduce my two co-hosts. If you've forgotten them, because uh, it's been two weeks, which is uh, unusual for us, it's first on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back after so long. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I was going to de- deny the invitation this time. Um, yeah, it, it does feel like it's been a while, right? It, it For some reason, maybe it's just because, was this the first or second break? I don't know. Time is a flat circle at this point. It felt way too long, even though not a lot of stuff has gone on. And first of all, you're slandering our boy Harbaugh and you're making fun of him. I think he's made some pretty good moves. We're going to talk about that in a second. I wasn't not making fun of him. Just uh, I was not surprised at all that he had multiple rule change ideas ready to go in the offseason. But on the West Coast, hair as long as ever, mustache strong, the the hair tie. What, what, what we call that, Jace, that you got going uh, on the end? Like tie. a headband, I guess. Headband. <laughs> he, you look like an offensive lineman. Just looking mean. It's Jace Evans on the West Coast. Jace, how's it going? I'm doing well, Antonio. You know, March Madness is upon us. And for Ravens fans, that means uh, focusing on NFL free agency and rules changes and definitely not our alma mater based on what they've done the past week. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, you know, it's another... It's uh, it, it feels like 
the draft's getting closer, free agency starts. It kind of feels like you mentioned we had our little NFL hiatus almost, and it, it feels like we're getting back into it again in the NFL. So it's an exciting time for sure. We know how to hit our our markets uh, for sure. Uh, March Madness, college basketball? No. Let's talk about who the Ravens should be looking at in free agency. And we're going to get into it, but first, a little bit of uh, sort of nuts and bolts news. Uh, I'll get you guys' thoughts on this. The Ravens re-signing defensive lineman Justin Ellis to a one-year deal for a little over a million dollars. Quick hit, guys, like adding depth, this is good. Keeping a guy at a, at a cheap price who, who's going to produce for, for one more year. Yeah, I mean, a guy who, you know... Brandon Williams got hurt last year, and Jelly Ellis had to fill in. He started three games. He played in 13 total and was fine. He, you know, these interior guys, If you basically, if you don't hear their name, it means they're usually doing a pretty good job, unless you're like an Aaron Donald or a Quentin Nelson or somebody like that. Um, he played in 27% of the snaps last year. I think some people have considered Brandon Williams as a possible cap casualty, given all the craziness with the cap, which we'll get into. Uh, I don't see that happening even with this Jelly Ellis move. But, yeah, I mean, it's just simply depth. It's something that you don't have to address now. You have a rotational guy that you know can play if needs if need be uh, if one of these guys in the front three goes down. And I think there's something to be said, too, Tim, to just keeping a guy. You know, like you said, he is just a depth piece, really. He's, he's not going to suddenly become a star at 30 years old or whatever. But... I think it is good to keep a guy like this within your system if you're like you're confident in what he can do. Uh, you, he's been on the team now for parts of two seasons, so I'm fine just kind of rolling with it. And you know, if you if he's NFL level, uh, you know, acceptable, does his job well, you need to fill out your 53 man roster. And so uh, I, I'm fine keeping guys who kind of know what the deal is uh, intel. Early move done there for the Ravens. A lot more to do for them uh, in terms of re-signing players and, and going out in free agency and adding players. I think a lot of that will become more clear as NFL teams get more salary cap information, which they haven't really gotten yet with free agency uh, still just over a week away. We're going to talk about free agency in the second half of this episode in terms of the Ravens, in terms of... Um, some other teams as well, and, and some, a few moves that have already happened. But first, we're going to have a little fun in the first 20 minutes or so of this episode, and we're going to talk about two rule changes that the Ravens, officially the Ravens, have submitted to the NFL for approval. And we're going to start with the first one, which is adding a booth umpire. Uh, the exact quote from the, the submission that they made is, the booth umpire can offer input from the booth throughout the game with access to all broadcast angles. He can provide info to on-field officials to help correct and clear obvious errors, provided he can do so without disrupting the normal timing of game administration. The first half of this guy seems pretty cut and dry. Let's get somebody who can see everything, who can review all the camera angles that the on-field officials miss and you know, relay it in when there's something glaring that happened. My my issue, my only hesitation, my only question about this is the last part of that quote. Without disrupting the normal timing of game administration. We have gotten so many rules, so many things to look at, so many conversations between the officials before they make any sort of announcement. It can get to be such a slog multiple times during NFL games. Is this just going to add to that? 
trying to find everything to get everything is just another thing that's going to take up time to make a simple holding call or a block in the back call during the game. I personally think, Antonio, that you and I are scarred from VAR in soccer. Um, because if you're not a soccer fan, a lot of these leagues just can't figure out how to do instant replay in its simplest form. And it is slowed down a game that is all about kind of momentum and all about, you know, the running clock and, and there's not stop start like there is in the NFL and stuff. So people are furious with it over and over and over again each and every week. I host a daily show that spends way too much time talking about referees (laughs) because they're terrible. But referees are also terrible in the NFL. They're bad. The quality of refereeing in this league is bad. So I personally think this is a no-brainer. I think that having a booth judge or the sky judge is what it's been called for the last couple years uh that if you don't know this has been in the works for about three years they tried they were going to implement it in the preseason last year but then everything happened and had to it had to get canceled so it never was implemented in the preseason for testing to move it into the regular season i think this is a great idea i i think this is something that is absolutely needed i think it's I'm not going to say it's going to be flawless. I think in the beginning, Antonio, you're right. It is definitely, there's going to be times where we're like, what are we doing here? And you're going to be sitting at a game with your parents and they're going to be screaming at the TV because they're like, what are the refs doing? I can't figure this out. Why are we just sitting here? And the commentators are doing a terrible job relaying that information to the, to the people watching the games and what have you. Um, but I think overall, this is a positive thing. The execution, and you're, you're bang on. The execution is what has to get nailed down and i think that might take some time but having every single tv angle to watch you know for for me the thing that pops into my head instantly and i don't know how this works logistically but maybe who knows uncatchable ball is not really a thing anymore but it's a pass interference that they call like they're they're they throw the flag and they call it and this is going to infuriate people so apologies and maybe there's a better way to work this out they're about to call it or they're thinking about calling it they're all huddling up And they're going, like, in their ear, they're hearing from the booth guy who's doing a quick replay. He's looking at all the angles, and he says, now, from up here, guys, there's no way. Like, there's no way. The guy fell on his own. You can't call that. And in that little meeting that might take a little longer than it normally does, they decide to pick up the flag instead of just giving Ben Roethlisberger the 500th pass interference call that definitely wasn't pass interference because, one, his guy dove, or, two, he threw it 500 feet over the dude's head, and it shouldn't be called pass interference anyway. Any way to perfect that stuff, I think, is a good thing. So this is why, I mean, I am all for another wild hardball rule change in this respect. <laughs> Jace, let me let me jump in quickly, because that reminded me of something. Uh, I do wonder, as they iron this out, if this is still going to be a thing where the head official has the ultimate say, even though he's getting word from somebody who has, in theory, seen it better than he has. And then off of that... This reminds me of all of the ex-officials that now work for the various <laughs> television broadcasts. And every time they ask them for their opinion of, up, what did you see up in the booth? They, they're wrong a lot. Or they say something that then immediately gets like disproven <laughs> by the actual call by the head ref. And I'm, I'm just, I'm very concerned that it's like a judgment call. You will get these refs that are saying things, and then the head ref on the field just says, "Not like, nah, I didn't see it like that, or it's it's a gray area, I don't know what to do. Um, 
it's so hard to do. They're not. I agree with you, Tim. They're not very good at it. A lot of it is so hard to do, and I'm just I'm wondering how they're gonna sort of write out who rules who, who makes the final call on who, or if it's just going to be limited to super, super obvious specific things that were missed. That's kind of what scares me, I guess, is we just have to see how it all plays out in action, right? But, like, how much overrule ability does the Sky Judge have? Because I fear the opposite, Tim, of it's not going to be taking penalties off the board. It's going to be... Oh, that was a missed hold. That was a missed hold. That was a missed oh, hold. No, and I no. ju- that's what I that's what I worry about. Is it kind of just like a minding the shop just in case something like super horrible happens? And mind you, they did actually remove pass interference reviews, so I don't know how this all even plays into that anymore because this was when they were kind of first um floating this idea was kind of in the wake of uh the Nikel Roby Coleman pass breakup then the Saints Rams game that was when they started pass interference reviews and the idea I believe it was Harbaugh first floated the sky judge as, as you said it's been in the works for several years um and so I guess that's just what I, I just really need to see more info on how this practically plays out how this will work because yeah my my fear is that it will just exponentially lead to more flags uh that favor the offense and that's what scares me i guess with this idea and fascinates me that john harbaugh man famously perhaps that's why he proposed it one of the most flagged teams in the nfl every single year and uh is just trying to come up with any way to get rid of some of these flags i don't know but um i'm very fascinated that he keeps being the one to push this idea uh forward into the nfl circle We'll keep you updated on how that ends up passing, and it's going to have to go to a NFL vote, and we'll see how many teams are, are interested in pursuing that. But the other rule uh, that I think is a little more fun, at least in the podcast discussion, is Harbaugh's, or I should say the Ravens' proposal to change the rules of overtime in the National Football League. They have been trying to get this right for a while, tinkering with it, trying to make little changes. And then the Ravens come in and say, you know what, you got to just blow it up and start from the beginning. So this is coming from Jameson Hensley. He had a really good recap on it on ESPN. He's the beat writer for the Ravens on ESPN. Under the Ravens' spot and choose proposal, at the result of the coin toss, one team spots the ball on the field for the start of an overtime period. Then the other team chooses whether to start on offense or defense from that spot. The overtime proceeds as either sudden death or a timed period to determine the winner. So that last part still has to be ironed out. But I'm fascinated by the spot and choose change to overtime. I've saved a few scenarios that we are going to talk about from the Ravens' perspective using spot and choose rules. But guys, I want to get your opinions on whether you like this, whether you appreciate that they're trying to just change it to something better. The Ravens, they say that from their own research, basically too many of these overtime games are being won by the team that wins the toss. Even as they've tried to add, um, you you have to score a touchdown on your first drive to end the game, not just the field goal. In the playoffs, receiving teams are 9-1 and one in overtime since 2010. Uh, and in the regular season, receiving teams 28-20-4 since 2017 when receiving first. So... 
guys, first, before we get into a few scenarios, overall thoughts on this idea from the Ravens. So I have a question for you guys, sort of like an on-air production meeting here before we go to these scenarios, because I don't want to sound like a complete fool, which, you know, I try and avoid here uh, on Pod Like a Raven. Ravens win the toss, right? What prevents them from just putting it, putting the ball, I'm trying to think about how to do this right. Let's say it's the Browns, like you have in in an upcoming scenario here. Putting it on the Browns one yard line. Because then the team, the Browns automatically have to choose to take the ball, right? They can't choose to defer because then the Ravens only have to go one yard for a touchdown. But then they get pinned and have to go 99 yards, essentially, to effectively end the game. And if you're the Ravens, I, maybe you don't trust your defense. I don't know. Maybe that's the answer here. But you're going to force a team to go 99 yards and most likely have great field position. Isn't that just kind of the thing to break this? Or am I not thinking about this right? Tim, I'm glad you brought this up, because I, too, have been baffled by this rule. I've read about it multiple times. I mean, times. the silence the silence there showed that, because everybody everybody looked at me. If you don't, Obviously, you can't see us. They both looked at me in the Zoom call like, son of a gun. Well, I, I, figured it I out. wanted to see if Jace was going to take it. I'm a little confused. So you get to choose the yard line, and then the team has to go from there. So if I choose the one, the Cleveland one, I choose the one-yard line on the field offensive one yard line not cleveland's one i can choose the offensive one yard line then cleveland can say great we'll take the ball and have to go one yard that no, is i how- thought it, i thought it oh i thought it was you choose the exact out of the hundred yards on the field you choose the exact one yeah not yeah so then then you choose the cleveland one it's, not the I, I don't one. I don't think I might be wrong. I don't think you choose the Cleveland or the Baltimore. I think you choose forty yards from the end zone or sixty yards from the end zone. Those are the two forties oh. that you would choose. But then how but then how does so then how does it flip then though? That's the thing. Because the second team gets to pick so if I'm saying sixty yards from the end zone, then the other team goes, All right, well then we're gonna start on offense. Like what what makes you not then start on offense every single time? If so if I say I want the far 10-yard line, I want to be 90 yards from the end zone, then if Cleveland takes the ball, they have to start on their own 10-yard line, and they have to go 90 yards to score. So they may think that it's advantageous to have the Ravens start on their own 10-yard line, get a stop, get field position, and then have the ball at the 50-yard line instead of on your own 10. That makes way more sense. So to to think about this – the team that wins the toss goes, one of us has to go this many yards to score. Yes. yes and the yes. other team says, all right, we'll take it, or all right, you guys can try that. There it is. Right. Antonio got it. That makes yeah. way more sense. Because I was like, why not just put it on the one, and then they're never going to say, you can have the ball now and only go one yard. I mean, if your interpretation of the rule is right, I have no uh, reason to not believe you there. That, okay. Good job, Harps. <laughs> that makes way more sense than what we were talking about before. So the absolute neutral first approach is why wouldn't a team just pick the 50-yard line? You know, try to go halfway and make the 50 the spot. But then the other team, what I think almost in every situation would then take the ball at the 50 because you only have to go, in theory, 15 yards and then kick a field goal. So it goes from there. So then if a team offers the 40-yard line, you now have to go 
25 yards to kick a field goal. You probably still take the ball. So at what point, pushing you further and further back into your, you know, quote-unquote own territory, do you then decide these are too many yards to have to try to score points? So it's going to be interesting looking at defensive teams. What, what do teams do best, right? Is a defensive team going to try to pin an offense back and then work with a short field? Is an offensive team, are the Chiefs going to say, look, we'll take it at the 10. We'll take it at our own five because if we get the ball, we're going to drive down and score. So it is going to be, if it gets approved, I think it's a challenge. I think it's going to be very difficult for a rule like this to get approved because I, I, I don't think teams trust the Ravens wanting to do something a way that they basically concocted. Like this just screams like that they were in the analytics room trying to come up with a way that was seems fair but also works really well for the Ravens. So I just envision a lot of GMs of other teams saying absolutely not. But with that being the case, guys, now that we've laid out um, the explanation here, how are you guys thinking just in terms of changing the, the current overtime rules? Are you okay with the current overtime rules, with the, with the having to score a touchdown to end the game, or are you interested in, in a change such as this one? I, well, I'll just say for me... I was fine with sudden death. Like, just the very old school way. I think they keep making it so convoluted that no one really knows um, when a game ends anymore. You're like, okay, so they kicked a field goal, so now we have the ball, but we also kicked a field goal, so then the game's still going, and now it's... It just gets so confusing versus when it was just, you get the ball, you score first, you win. Great. I understand. Um... I'm fine. I guess I like it a little more scoring a touchdown ends the game, but I'm pretty fine with sudden death. I don't feel I, you know, it's sports, right? There's supposed to be a winner and a loser in American sports anyways. Right. And everyone allegedly hates ties. I'm actually fine with ties, but everyone allegedly hates ties. And then they created a system that basically encourages ties by making it harder to just immediately end a game and also shortening the amount of overtime. So we've seen way more ties in recent years because of all these rule changes and everyone's just like still mad about ties all the time. It's like, hey, go back to sudden death. You'll never have ties because someone's going to kick a field goal off that, <laughs> off the coin toss and that'll be the end of the game. So, you know, I don't know. I was fine with the old rules. Um, I think something like this just kind of gets it I don't know, too convoluted, and I, I'll say this is too, I'm a fan of college overtime too, but I just, you know, it's the NFL, I think these are professional athletes, it's fine if someone, you know, get a stop, <laughs> sun death worked for literally six, 45 years, however long the old sun death rule was in place, 40 years, and then we just started changing it for like no reason, because... People got mad the Patriots won an overtime game once. It's, I don't know. It's very, fr it's so stupid to me. I I just think we keep making it convoluted. So I, I mean, I'd get used to it and I'd probably like it because I love the NFL, but I don't really see a reason to force a change. That warms my heart because if there's one complaint I have about our own show, it's that we agree too much <laughs> and we, yeah, we're all like-minded. We all watch the Ravens we've watched the Ravens together for a long time so our our opinions and when watched together whether it's together in the same room jumping on top of beds at dorm rooms whether it's blacking out after the Ravens win the Super Bowl sorry Antonio he was in Spain whether it's now just doing it over text group because of you know travel and COVID and what have you 
we agree a lot on things. This one I couldn't disagree with you more. I love this. The more I think about it now, and now that Antonio has actually cleared it up for us, thank God. <laughs> I think this rule is going to separate the great coach teams and the really, really well coached teams from the badly coached teams. And this extra element of strategy compared to you're sitting there against the Chiefs in an overtime game and it's like, oh my God, tails, 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 tails. It's heads that get the ball. Oh no. Like that element of randomness with the with the coin toss, um, as Matt Weiss, who's now at Michigan, was a Ravens running back coach, tweeted, eliminating a coin toss determining 58% of these victories. And then in the playoffs since 2017, as Antonio wrote out before, the team that gets the, the coin toss is nine and one. If you can, and most of that is due to, to who picked heads or tails, right? Which doesn't matter in the game of football at all. I love this. I love going against Kansas city, like, and the drama it causes. Think about this. I keep using Kansas City just because they're that offense that can basically score from anywhere. And me, this is from Mina Kimes at ESPN, a uh, fantastic NFL reporter. She talked about at what point do you – how far back do you have to go to force the Chiefs to play defense? Like, is it, is, it, is it the 10? Is it the 5? Or is Andy still like 95 yards with Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, we'll be okay. Like, where does that line come and then this strategy is going to develop over time with these overtime games. They're not that frequent, so then some people forget. You've got the Freddie Kitchens of the world of going like, <laughs> put it at the 50 against Lamar Jackson. I don't care. We got this. And we have the worst run defense in the NFL, but it doesn't matter. And then, and then Lamar runs an option play, 50 yards first play, and we get to laugh at Freddie Kitchens for a week. Like That type of stuff is going to add such an element into this where it's a – I'm trying to family show this up. It's a put your stones on the table type move in some of these things. It's a you're staring at the other coach from across the line, and you have these Ravens and Antonio. I completely agree. I don't think this is going to happen because the Ra- everybody goes, oh, Ravens, super smart analytics. Nope, there's big big advantage for them. Cancel it, cancel it, cancel it. Don't do not vote this in. But these coaches are staring across the field from each other. Tomlin and Harbaugh. What are you gonna? You okay? So you won the toss. Where are you gonna put it? Huh? Where are you gonna put it? Huh? Let's see. Let's see. I absolutely love that element of this. And now I'm just, the more I talk about it, the more excited I'm getting. Let's, let's get this in here. This is going to be so fun. Well, let's, let's get into some scenarios then. I, uh, that's a uh, dovetail right into them. I, <laughs> look, in, ter- in terms of us agreeing and disagreeing, I'm like somewhat in the middle between the two of you. I don't love the current overtime rules. I agree that if you have nine out of 10 uh, coin flips determining the game, that's a problem. I don't know if this is exactly it, but I think it's fun. I, I think it's fun. I love the strategy aspect of it. We'll see how it goes in the voting. But before it goes to the voting, here are some scenarios. I'm going to kick it to you guys. Uh, embrace debate here on Pod Like a Raven. And let's start with the Chiefs, Tim, because I feel like that's the perfect team to use for this instance because nobody wants them to have the ball ever. So, scenario. Chiefs at Ravens. The game goes into overtime. Chiefs are the visitors, so they... Uh, make the coin toss selection and they win the toss which means they choose the spot and they choose the far five yard line meaning it is 95 yards to go to score a touchdown should the ravens take the ball at their own five or give it to kansas city 
at their own five. I don't even know, really. I, I envision the Ravens getting it at their own five and immediately having a hold in the end zone, and it's a safety, <laughs> and, the, and the game ends on the first play. I envision giving it to the Chiefs and thinking, this will be safe, you know, they're 95 yards away, and then they gain 30 yards on first down, and I'm already annoyed at the decision. So with that, I'm going to punt on my choice because <laughs> I'm posing the question. So I punt to my co-hosts here. Uh, let's see, for the, for scenario one, let's go to Tim first. Tim, <sighs> Chiefs at Ravens, five-yard line. Should the Ravens take the ball or give it to Kansas City? Man. This, but this is, again, this is why this is a good rule, I think. Because, no offense to the two of you, none of us are smart enough to figure this answer out. <laughs> and I don't even know if the coaches are, because there's an incredible amount of risk involved. If I'm the Ravens, I think I take the ball. Because I don't think I ever want to give willingly give the ball to Patrick Mahomes with a chance to win the game. The Ravens have no pass rush. They can't get after him like they could the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could in the last football game we all got to watch, which feels just so long ago at this point. I take the ball, and at worst, you're hoping that you get it to like the 50 and have to punt and pin them. I think that's where I'm going. Jason, agree or do disagree? I, well, do I, I gonna... trust the Ravens, by the way? Do I trust the Ravens to do that? Absolutely not. It'll, <laughs> they'll go three and out and punt it, and the Chiefs will have a short field, kick the field goal, and win. But – I think you have to take the ball and just not give it to Patrick Mahomes at any point. I think Tim raises some great points. My initial take was exact, kind of along the lines of what you said, Antonio, where I was like, they're just not going to score on that first one. So, like, <laughs> you can't. The Ravens are not going to score. Right, right, yeah. The Ravens aren't. And so you can't, like, it's, it sounds weird to say, I think you give the Chiefs the ball just because you could, like, I don't know, maybe Brandon Williams tips the ball and Patrick Queen gets an interception on, like, the 30 or something. I don't know. Um, but I think just with the Ravens we've seen the last several years, that is just like a kryptonite spot to put them in almost i think and it, i only foresee bad things happening if you put them on the five and say go for it i mean there was the overtime game against the titans this past year you know they got the ball first probably did absolutely nothing with it Ugh. punted and lost the game so yeah, i i just don't really trust them in that situation that being said it, the, the prospect of just giving patrick Mahomes the ball with a chance to win the game terrifies me so like Tim said, not a lot of good good options in this scenario here. And there's going to be analytics based on the team that the Ravens are playing. I would think and hope that there would also be separate analytics just based on how that game has gone. Like, what is the weather? How has the defense looked in the second half of the game? For example, if we look at that Ravens at Browns game this past year, I think both of those offenses, given this rule, would have taken the ball at whatever the spot was. There, there was no chance they were going to let their defense, even if it's 99 yards. And I, I think that'd be fun to watch. Like, if you're in that game as the Ravens and you have to spot the ball, are you taking literally the one-yard line because you're terrified of the Browns getting the ball <laughs> anywhere based on how like how their offense looked in the second half of the game? So. There's a lot to look at. I, th- I think it's fun. The more we talk about it, uh, discussing the Browns, we're going to go to spot 
to scenario two, I should say. And it is Ravens at Browns. Game goes into overtime. The Ravens win the toss and spot the ball. Where should they spot it? So let's pretend we're not looking at that specific game from last year. We're just talking Lamar versus Baker. Uh, They've had some duels in the past. Uh, Ravens get to spot where the ball should go. Where do you think they should spot it based on either trying to uh, convince the Browns to give them the ball or just putting Baker in a really tough spot to start with the ball? I'm going to say basically like a touchback, the 25. Because if the Browns take it there, I think the defense is good enough to stop them. And it's the Browns in overtime. Like, what are you talking about here? The Ravens are going to win this game. Uh, you know, they'll drive it to the, the five, not be able to punch it in. Then they'll kick the field goal. It'll be blocked and run back for a t- Ravens touchdown, and that'll be it. And Browns fans will go home miserable and sad like they deserve to be. I, yeah, the 25 sounds good to me because I think if the Ravens, if the Browns go, oh, we can, we can do this. I think the Ravens are plenty of room to stop them and even, and even stop a field goal. I mean, at worst, maybe a long field goal. And the Ravens offense is good enough in that situation. You're not backed up. You're not feeling the pressure of being super backed up. And at worst, if you get what, five yards, Sam Cook punts it down to the other, the other 30 or the other 20. And we just flip the field basically. So I, it may be a little conservative, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if any of these positions I'm putting it closer than the 50. I think I don't know if anybody else would because then the other team's automatically going to take the ball, I guess. So for me, basically a touchback, the 25, and see what they do from there. I was thinking the 30 myself, Tim, uh, for similar reasons what you said. I Because I'm confident in the Ravens stopping the Browns. But then also, to the point Antonio raised... You know, maybe the Browns say, uh, you know, you have to go 60 yards, we'll we'll let you have the ball. And then I like the Ravens' chances in that scenario, too. So I think um, I think around the 30 is probably good, uh, just because I think I think it plays into, you know, both both strategies kind of working out, I think, in the team's favor. And I guess in just on the whole, that'll be kind of, you know, obviously... My only worry, I guess, is it's like our team's just going to choose a touchback every single time, basically. Uh, and it's basically like we just have a non-kickoff overtime period. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be it's it'll be interesting to see play out. I The more we talk about it, the more I do at least want to see it. I don't know that I'd love it as part of a permanent fixture in the NFL. Um, I know people will... will complain immediately about how unfair it is the second they enact this (laughs) and one team scores and the other team doesn't get the ball that's going to be all that twitter is um but i do want to see it after we've talked about it i'm 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 interested to see kind of how it all all shakes out uh, because it's very interesting yeah jace with that point about just just removing the touchbacks and putting it at the 25 i think because of that if this were to be enacted, I think the vast majority of the spots would be somewhere between the five yard line and the 15 yard line having to go the extra distance where you're just challenging a team to essentially take a 10 yard penalty from where they would normally start and then dare them to go from there or or whether or not they are so terrified of their offense that they say, you know what, you take the 10 yard penalty, you go, you, you start with the ball from the 15 yard line of the 10. Um, 
And I, in that sense, I suppose it promotes teams that execute better, and that's why Harbaugh's all about it. Like, do, do your – go ahead, Tim. And that's the thing – sorry, Antonio. That's the thing, too. I think, yeah, like, it, it'll probably get samey because I, I completely agree with you. I, I don't think people are going to get more than the 30, like Jay said. I think the 30 is, like, generous. Um, unless you're – you know, you're literally talk, talking to a team that's inept, like the Jaguars of this season. You're like, all right, we'll say the 35, like you'll push the line just a little more to say maybe they'll give it to us instead. And you're trying to push that to give yourself that little advantage. But all of that is strategy, even if it is a little samey. It's all strategy. It's all stuff that teams have to think about. It's all an extra component to the game that we get to debate. We get to discuss we get to laugh at, we get to ridicule, we get to love when a team puts us on the five and we go 95 for the tutty and say goodbye. I I love that rather than we're all sitting there and half the time the camera crew forgets to cut to the coin toss, which all of a sudden like, is the most important part of a very crucial game in some instances. This is why I think this is great. I really do. We'll see how this goes again, just like... Uh... The booth umpire proposal. I, the, I, I'm not actually sure. Please jump in, guys, if you know this. I think they need more than a majority of the votes to enact change, right? Is it majority or is it even it is, more it than is that? Tw- 24 of the 32 league owners have to approve. 24 of the 32. So a pretty good chunk. Uh, that sounds like my, my math, 75%, I think, is what that number ends up being. So... I mean, good luck getting 75% of people to agree on anything at all, so we'll we'll see. Um, But we'll keep you posted, certainly, on those rule changes as the offseason continues. But we have to talk about some NFL news and some free agency. But first, we were stumped uh, two weeks ago for one of the first times in a long time by Tim's Dewan Edwards, fantastic (laughs) random raven. Jace is up this week, and let's see if we can... uh, break out of, of our one episode slump jace who do you have for us this week for the random oh, random so this one is really going to test your ancillary knowledge of random ravens related things um because i'll admit i have no personal recollection of really watching this guy so uh, oh great yeah if you don't then we're screwed <laughs> so but we'll dive into the clues i think you could still get it with something if you start this here. by saying 1997 i'm just moving on and going to the nfl but go ahead please go ahead Stick around for Clue 2, but I have some bad news for you. <laughs> this player was a member of the inaugural Ravens team oh, in 1996. Okay. All right. jo- jo- joining the franchise upon the Browns' move to Baltimore. He rushed for 947 yards and four touchdowns and caught another 51 passes for 398 yards and a touchdown in two seasons with the Ravens before retiring from the NFL following the 1997 season. Despite his low yardage totals, he currently ranks just 17th in rushing yards in Ravens history, one spot above Joe Flacco. And despite playing just two seasons in Baltimore, this player was the first member of the Ravens Ring of Honor. Oh, his, I've, I've looked this up, but I am know. I going to remember the name by the end of the episode? His career overall was quite successful, though. Originally a 10th round draft pick in 1984 by the Cleveland Browns, This versatile player rushed for 8,261 yards in his career and caught 512 passes for another 4,605 yards. He was also the leading rusher on the 1991 Super Bowl champion Washington Redskins and even had a touchdown in their Super Bowl 26 win over the Bills. Despite all these accomplishments, though, he's best remembered for the fumble. His fumble just shy of the goal line that prevented the Cleveland Browns 
from tying the AFC Championship game late against the Denver Broncos in January of 1988. Random Raven for the week. I think I, I think I know this, which is just, it's sad. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm happier or sadder about knowing who this person is because, yeah, I have zero recollection of this guy playing. If I have the name right, which I might, the only thing I have is, and before you even said the clue, I thought about it. I was like, is this that dude in the <laughs> ring of honor that every time you go to the stadium, you're like, you're like okay, what's with this guy? Ray Lewis, <laughs> Ed Reed, Todd Heap. Uh, uh, who's that? Okay, sure. Why not? So it's we'll, a great, we'll it's a great name. It's yeah. right. It's hysterical that that is both a Ring of Honor and Random Raven uh, simultaneously. But it absolutely is for this guy. Um, we will have that for you. Jace will have that for you at the end of the episode. But we are first going to go on to NFL news. It's been two weeks, so a few deals have happened uh, that you've likely heard about already, but we're just going to do a, you know, a minute or so on them. And the first one is, is really the one that's sort of most offensive to me, uh, and that's that J.J. Watt signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he took a two-year deal, $31 million, uh, potential, $23 million guaranteed. Looked good for him, I guess. Uh, I laid out what I thought was a very clear argument for him coming to Baltimore, but... I guess he doesn't want to be an alpha dog. He's okay being second fiddle, uh, being the second best pass rusher on his own team. So, you know, enjoy Arizona, JJ. We won't have to play you uh, at all, nor will your brothers in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I guess you don't love your family either. Um, but JJ, <laughs> taking the money, going to Arizona. He wants to win a Super Bowl. I don't think that team's good enough. And I'll stop with all this uh, slander on JJ Watt. <laughs> Uh, hopefully I never see him or meet him ever in my life. Guys, thoughts on J.J. Watt's decision? We don't have to talk about maybe the Ravens aspect of it because it was always, as Tim has mentioned, it was always a, a very difficult situation money-wise, but thoughts on his choice to go to Arizona with, with the thoughts that he wants to win a Super Bowl compared to some other hot spots he could have landed in. Well, I think he said it, nailed it, Antonio. He wants to win a Super Bowl, but not that badly, I don't think, if you're going to the Cardinals. Because I, you know, and we'll get in Russell Wilson, but they're definitely going to be pegged behind the Rams in their own division uh, for next season with the Rams adding Matthew Stafford. Um, and I like a lot of what the Cardinals have going on. I do actually think, um, you know... A lot. You made the jokes, but I think alongside Chandler Jones, he's going to probably see a lot of not kind of double teams that he might have seen in years past with the Texans. So I think he could have a, a bounce back season in terms of sacks. But I think we've said on the show, and I know Tim feels even more strongly about him. I'm not a Cliff Kingsbury fan. Uh, I don't know that he's the coach to take the Cardinals to the promised land after all these years. So that guy's a moron. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I I, I think JJ can find some success, but you know, they'll certainly be better than the Texans. But I also think if his sole goal was winning a Super Bowl, I don't think he necessarily picked the greatest team. I think he picked a solid team, but you know, I, I think the Packers are still going to be awfully good in the NFC. Can't rule the Bucks out unless Brady really falls off a cliff next year. Um, like literally said, falls think... off a cliff because that's about the only <laughs> thing that 
<laughs> seems to be a potential issue for him at this point. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and as I said, I think the Rams are going. The Rams are certainly going to be the favorite. I would still imagine in that division um, next year. So. I don't know. I, I'm not, and I like Kyler Murray, but he can be, you know, as all young QBs are inconsistent at times. He has weeks where you're like, he's the best player in the NFL, and he has weeks where he completes like five passes, and there's like seemingly no in between with him. Um, so, on the whole, congrats to JJ. You know, it's warm and taxes are low in Arizona, so <laughs> I'm sure that's nice, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, I don't really get it if his sole goal was winning the Super Bowl. I certainly think there were better teams he could have landed on. Yeah, I mean, you guys nailed it. And and Glass, like, to maybe take the positive spin out of this, maybe I'm thinking J.J. was like, yeah, I, w- I am going to go to a Green Bay or a Buffalo and take a little bit of a pay cut. And then Arizona's like, you want $23 million guaranteed? And he goes, absolutely. I love the 65-degree weather and... You know, hanging out with this place where it's never cold anymore, even though he just had to tweet out a picture of him sitting in ice for post-game <laughs> recovery. Or like, we get it, JJ, you're hard. We know. Good good for you, man. Um, I think the deal is a bit ridiculous. I don't think anybody thought that he was going to get paid $31 million with $23 million guaranteed. But look, good for him. The only analysis that I really have to offer outside of this is, yeah, one – money talks like you both have said and two to reiterate like antonio said earlier he is as far as possible as he could be away from baltimore and that makes me very very happy because i don't have to spoil the dream anymore because it's not it can't even uh, believe in it but he was never coming here so just get as far away as possible and that's fine with me another deal that happened where it, it, at the time it was supposed to be a positive for that franchise, and yet all three of us were sort of okay with it, and that's Ben Roethlisberger, his quote-unquote new deal in order to stay with the team, first of all, stay on the team, not retire, uh, not cost the Steelers $800 million in cap space for one season, uh, and he does a little restructuring, Jace, to save the Steelers a bit of, a bit of cap space, he takes a bit of a pay cut, and he will remain their starting quarterback for the 2021 season. Yeah, so his deal, his his salary, he's uh, dropping five million bucks, going from 19 million to 14 million. And though you say five million, somehow this saves the Steelers 15 million dollars in immediate cap space, thanks to the wonders of the NFL salary cap, which is one of the most mysterious things in the universe. Um, uh, I'll just say one, what real quickly. At Raven Salary Cap on Twitter, Brian McFarlane, who's joined us before, follow that guy because he's one of the four people on this planet that understands what's going on when it comes to the salary cap. <laughs> so, yeah, those numbers, uh, we should say he was going to have a $41 million salary cap hit. So even saving, you know, $15 million of that or shaving $15 million, opening $15 million in space, like he's still counting a decent bit and... I think the for the Ravens and I think the NFL, the bigger story is, as you said, Antonio, he is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback in 2021. That is the plan. And I assume the Steelers watched the last third of the NFL season like we all did. I don't know that that's a great plan. They, they What, they lost five of their last six games? I mean, it's a great plan, I think, if you're a fan of the Baltimore Ravens or Cleveland Browns. But uh, I... I'm a little surprised. I mean, I guess in, in some ways they didn't really have options because, as we said, he was 
unless he retired, he was staring down a $41 million cap hit. The Steelers were. So, as long as Roethlisberger wants to play, it's kind of a weird situation. He's the greatest quarterback they've ever had, and you could also say he's kind of holding the franchise hostage right now. His salary cap was such that their entire plan for the future was contingent on if he plays. And now if he plays, you're paying him so still enough that like he's the starter. And I don't know. It's a weird situation to be in. You know, we hope, I guess in some ways we saw the light version of it with Joe Flacco, but they were, able to kind of wriggle out of that one but this is this is on an even greater scale he's been there longer he's been better as i said he's the the greatest quarterback in franchise history but he's 39 years old he just turned 39 on march 2nd and we saw those passes weren't going very far in the air last year so i'd have concerns greatly if i was the steelers and you know, you hope that in by if I guess if you're a Steelers fan, by being able to restructure this, that this upcoming season is the last for Ben Roethlisberger because they can't just keep running this back. I don't think if you really want to compete for a championship. Well, I, I yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of knows that this is the last year. Um, you know, I, I overall agree as Antonio teased when this first came out. I think I was the one that sent it to the text group, and I was like, sounds good to me. Great. <laughs> Big thumbs up. Um, But all of that being said, I think this is probably the best move the Steelers could have made. With, like, no irony in my voice at all. I don't... with, With the roster they have and the defense that they have, if they're willing to... And they had to fire the offensive coordinator who Ben loved, who was an idiot. Let's just put it... Just just say what it was. I mean, it was just ridiculous some of the play calls they had down the stretch. They bring a new guy in, and I think if Ben Roethlisberger accepts maybe a lesser role, and maybe they try and establish more of a running game and more of a balanced attack, and he's not throwing the ball 50 times around, we still know he can make those plays. He's still infuriating to play against. And maybe this is just years of hurt that I've had, um, you know, throughout my time as a Ravens fan. That That could totally be the thing here. But for me... Like, let's think about their options, right? Worst case scenario, it's Dwayne Haskins, who is currently their backup quarterback. They release Roethlisberger, they get rid of Roethlisberger somehow, or he retires, what have you, and they don't bring anybody in. The other guy that's been linked is Sam Darnold. Like, okay, everybody and their brother is talking about it. Sam Darnold's still a good prospect, still only 23 years old. We've seen Sam Darnold in the league. Now, could he have a Tannehill-like resurrection? Sure. If I'm the Steelers and looking to win a Super Bowl, am I taking one more year of the greatest quarterback in our franchise's history over that risk? Yes, I absolutely am. So, look, it's pod like a raven. We all dislike the Steelers very, very much. Ben Roethlisberger has caused us years of pain and years of hurt. So I'm trying to just preface that all by saying there's no irony in my voice here. I still think it'll be hilarious if they go like 8-8 eight and eight and he throws 25 picks. And trust me, we'll be talking about it all season if that's the case. But I almost think, and and Jace, you kind of alluded to it, he is holding them hostage a little bit because what else could they have done? I mean, they're not getting Deshaun Watson. They're not getting Russell Wilson. Ciara doesn't want to move to Pittsburgh. That's And that's a very big factor in what? that deal, which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> right, I know. They're not, you know, Dak Prescott, they're not signing him. Like, they don't have the money to sign him if he gets out of Dallas. 
I think just bringing Roethlisberger back and being like, look, this is literally the last ride. We have to prepare for something after this. And maybe that's why they brought in Haskins as a potential, let's throw this guy a lifeline and see if he can do something in a couple years. I really don't, as funny as it is to laugh at it, and trust me, we did. We had a great laugh when it first happened. Honestly, I don't think this is the worst move for them. And it's probably it's probably the best thing they could have done, given the circumstances. These are good points you raised, Tim. And as you mentioned, obviously, quarterback transitions are never easy. So, you know, it, it all has to end at some point. But to your point, you might as well kind of roll with what you know. It makes sense. But uh, I'm not afraid to face 2021 Ben Roethlisberger as a Ravens fan is something I will say. Right. The the superstar replacement was not there. They're drafting 24th in the first round. There's not going to be a stud guy left for them to take. But I just, I can't get over watching them play the Ravens when we had our like 11th string quarterback in and pits the Steelers struggling to move the ball against a sort of middle of, you know, somewhat good Ravens defense. Even the, the Ravens had a bunch of defensive players out in that game. And the Steelers getting first downs was a true struggle against half of the Ravens starting defense. Uh, I forget if that was, was that a Sunday? Oh, it was the middle of the week. No, but it was, was, was that was a Wednesday but afternoon It was the Sunday night crew is what, it was what I was going <laughs> to. Yeah. So I just remembered Collinsworth play after play talking about how all Ben does is get it out quick. You know, he gets it out and within five yards and that's what he did. Every single play was just trying to get the ball out as quickly as possible, get it out of his hands, hot potato to five receivers running dig routes and never running the ball. That can't work next year. I mean, that's what the, you know, they, they lost a bunch of games because I think defense is finally sort of adjusted halfway through the season to that offense. And when that happened, they looked bad, and they lost, as, as you mentioned, several games to end the season. That is how the year will start, if that's still the game plan for them, and that's still the Roethlisberger offense at this point as a 39-year-old. So, well, yeah, we love it. I think we all love it for that reason, but the Steelers were not going to find the solution this year. They have a legend. They have the Hall of Famer that you want to give You know, the last ride to. You want him to retire on his terms. He won two Super Bowls for you, and that's where you're at with one last run at this, basically. And to your point, you guys mentioned running the ball. Uh, the Really, the Steelers as a team, despite winning the AFC North last year, they are a team in transition. I believe it's Marquise Pouncey's retired, and I believe four of their other, or three of their other offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen from last year, are free agents. So, uh, that's a lot, that's a lot of churn up front. And as you said, maybe it's good, because they could not run the ball for anything. <laughs> so maybe, maybe they get some different guys in there and it works out for them. But, you know, it's, it's fascinating. It's definitely... Uh, I don't envy the position they're in. I will say the Baltimore Ravens, 2021, better place than the Pittsburgh Steelers. If we've said it once, we've said it a hundred times. Ravens, 12 to one to win the Super Bowl. This is the year. This is the time. All right. Uh, moving on from the Steelers. Enough of that. Another guy to talk about, Dak Prescott of the Cowboys, still not signed. This will be coming out on Tuesday. So as you listen to this today, is the last day for him to get a long-term deal. It is looking less and less likely. Um, What is looking more and more likely is that he will get another franchise tag for the second year in a row. The penalty of that for the the team being that you have to pay 120% 
of what his salary was the year before, which was also <laughs> on the franchise tag. So he will be getting $37.7 million on a one-year franchise tag, very likely. I, I'm i very confused as to what's going on here with the Cowboys. They've been... They have a, a very good quarterback. He's a guy they drafted. He's been good for them for a long time. I don't understand why this long-term deal is so hard to come by. Um, but thoughts on the Dak confusion? It's astounding to me. I don't understand. They've paid everyone but the best player on their team. It, 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 it makes no sense. And, you know... This is, it's it's what Washington did with Kirk Cousins a few years ago, except Dak Prescott's way better than Kirk Cousins. That's what's so confusing about all this. And, you know, you look at what Dallas cratered without him in the immediate aftermath. I know they were still alive for the division, but the team went 6-10. and ten. Uh, They cratered without him last year, and he was on a literally historic passing yards pace last year. When he got injured... He, I think he had thrown more yards through four games than anyone since, like, Dan Marino. It was something, it was an astounding stat. And he's really good. He's 27 years old, uh, turns 28 this July. This is what you want your team to be. He's clearly the most popular Dallas Cowboys player right now. You go anywhere, you see a bunch of number four jerseys. Uh, if you see Cowboys fans out and about. He's their most popular player by far. And I just, I don't. Under like of all like Jerry Jones, he knows the value of stars. He knows the value of Dak Prescott. He sees how many Dak Prescott jerseys they sell, and I I don't know. Dak can't be asking for like that much, right? He's not asking for Patrick Mahomes' contract. That seems impossible. Like whatever deal he wants, some team is going to get him. The Chicago Bears are going to be that desperate next year if they actually franchise tag him this year um so i don't know i i'm just so confused by the entire thing i think dak prescott's really good i think he's one of the 10 best qbs in the nfl and he's 28 and you should lock him up because he's the best player on your team that's my hot take on dak prescott yeah i actually jace i don't know if you know it and if you do just jump in if not don't worry about it i don't know what their cap situation is i mean I'm sure it's, it's not great. <laughs> right. You would assume it's not that great because of what they've done, which is what Jay said. They literally spent money everywhere else except the quarterback, which is the most important position in football. Um, I've seen some stuff. You know, I, I, I do – not that they need this plug because they're probably the most popular sports show on the internet right now. I listen to the Pat McAfee show a lot, which you can get on Sirius or on YouTube. Awesome stuff. A lot of NFL if you want to listen to them. Um, and they talk with Dan Orlovsky a lot, who had this take on ESPN that was like, maybe Dak isn't as great as we think he is. And there's a lot of numbers that he's he's got a lot of garbage time yards, what have you. All that being said, I agree with Jace. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and you pay that man. There's these reports. There were some reports that like, oh, he wants Mahomes money. It's like, that's Jerry Jones just leaking stuff to the media. That is 100% what that is. Um, you know, I... I won't go on too much longer because Jay's kind of nailed it. It's ridiculous, and it's put the Cowboys in a terrible position. And at the moment, he is still technically like possibly a free agent. And Dak being a free agent with the Watson stuff, which obvi- like if, if it's being reported, obviously, Houston isn't taking calls on him. The Wilson stuff, where we'll get to in a second. Russell Wilson, it looks more likely that he is not going to be a Seattle Seahawk next year, it, it, which is wild to me. Throwing Dak into that mix 
we've are the the free agent market is going to be insane. It's going to be absolutely insane. Um, by the way, just talking about how the franchise tag, but you know, there should be news Tuesday regarding regarding the franchise tag. That applies to the Ravens uh, also because we haven't heard yet of what's happening with Matthew Judon or Yannick Ngakwe. We will know. There will be some more clarity by Tuesday on whether or not the Ravens have any intention of keeping either of those two guys. So sit tight for that. Tim, anything else you want to talk about on, on the Russell Wilson side? Because it's a bizarre story that sort of dragged on and dragged on and dragged on with a guy that you would have thought was going to be like a lifetime Seahawk, and it's looking less and less like that, and frighteningly so for Seahawks fans? Well, that I mean, that's the big thing. Um, his team came out and basically said he wanted to be traded. His agent, Adam Schefter, via his agent, reported the four teams that Russell Wilson would be willing to be traded to. The Dallas Cowboys, big market. The New Orleans Saints, big market. Las Vegas Raiders, big market. Chicago Bears, big market. He, another note that's probably part of this, he is married to Ciara, who, when's the last time you've heard a Ciara song? Sounds like she might want her career back on the up and up. I'm just saying, that's that's definitely a part of this. He is absolutely a family man. We know that based on the just billions of Twitter and Instagram videos we get of <laughs> Russell Wilson looking like an idiot. The guy who is, they have... There are YouTube supercuts of him going go Hawks after interviews, and it's like seven hundred a year. Every interview he ends go Hawks, go Hawks, go Hawks. It's like it's like Coach O, but less cool. And <laughs> this guy has not refuted any of these things. He has not refuted one claim of him wanting to be traded. His team leaking out that he's upset with they didn't let Russ cook. They were letting Russ simmer towards the end of the year because he kept throwing picks. I think this is a very real thing, and based on, you know, obviously people who are smarter than us who report these things, it's what they do for a living. I think the overwhelming majority of people believe that Russell Wilson will be traded. So let's just do this quickly, because I know we're running a little long, and, it, and we're speculating, and now that we're once every two weeks, sometimes we say these things, and then if you listen to it like a week from now, the deal might already be done. Who knows? But in your mind, guys... Let's let's just take the four teams. Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, Bears. Where would you like to see Russell Wilson play? Maybe from a Ravens point of view or just, you know, fun NFL situation. Do you have one of those? Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, Bears. I'll say not the Raiders because they're on the Ravens schedule next season and I have no interest in playing any games against Russell Wilson. Uh, does that count, Tim? I've, I've removed one of the teams. Sure. We'll count it. We'll count it. What NFC team do we play last in the like cycle of you know scheduling? How, that's the team I choose of the four. Uh, well, that would actually be the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, because they played them last season. True. <laughs> Perfect. True. You're right. So um, I would say the Saints. I know they are in the most worst uh, cap situation in the league, but somehow. The Saints seem like they are that team every year, and it never really matters. Because, uh, as we said, the salary cap is uh, a mystery, um, an enigma, perhaps. Um, but uh, I think, you know, if you're the Saints, and you still have a good team, right? Like, even with all the cap casualties they'll have, like, they'll lose your Trey Hendricksons, guys like that. But you still have a really good core there. You still have a really good team. Uh, and... 
the piece you're now missing, assuming Drew Brees is retires, Drew Brees retires, which he has not done yet. <laughs> he is still, still a starting quarterback in this league. I don't know if he has a roster bonus coming up that they're going to pay him at the new league year and then he's going to retire. I have no idea. But Drew Brees has not announced his retirement yet. But assuming he is retiring, because uh, we all watch that game, uh, and he's 42, um, I think if you're able to get Russell Wilson, you just instantly extend your competing core. Because you can't have Taysom Hill be your QB in 2021. That just can't that just can't happen if you want to, you know, you have this team that can compete for a Super Bowl. So I think the Saints would be fun. I don't want them to go to the Bears. I don't want the Bears to ever have a good quarterback. Uh, uh, I just want them to suffer and <laughs> year after year. For my personal amusement, maybe that makes me a masochist. But, uh, and I don't want them on the Cowboys for obvious reasons because... I also never want the Dallas Cowboys to be good. So, uh, yeah, let's go with the Saints, I guess, for Tim to answer your question. <laughs> that's interesting because I I am choosing the Bears as a man who has come on this podcast and said, you know, my second favorite team, if I had to pick one, is the Cowboys because of things when I was a kid. I I I see. I kind of the Bears are one of those teams that, and maybe because it's the Ravens don't play them enough or whatever. Bears being bad is hilarious, but to me it's not like the Mount Rushmore of teams that always need to be bad because it's funny. Like, there there are teams like that across all sports. Everton, who uh, just beat Liverpool in the Merseyside Derby. Uh, the Browns, as you may well know, based on the <laughs> amount of times that I've just skewered them and their fans on this podcast. Knicks, and some others. Knicks are a fun, bad team. Knicks are a fun, bad team. I have a good friend who's They're a Knicks very fan, good at it. it. Is, hilarious <laughs> Nick's being bad is funny um but but for me the Bears are kind of one of those teams that I kind of want to see be good and it would be cool to see them I mean it's the Bears so Russell Wilson will go there and then the defense will be bad all of a sudden and then they won't be able to figure anything out that's definitely what will happen but I'm gonna pick the Bears in that scenario I think I just him in Chicago now moving from Seattle to Chicago doesn't seem great for me I think I would rather live in Seattle Personally, even with all the rain, Chicago is way too cold to live there all the time. Yeah, but, lake Michigan freezes, and people ask, react like that's normal. <laughs> right, <laughs> They're like, oh, right. the lake froze. <laughs> what? But for me, I'm picking <laughs> Chicago. Uh, I completely agree with you on the Bears will immediately have a bad defense when Russell Wilson goes there. But I will say, to, to your point on why the Bears are a solid pick, the NFL is going to give us the Bears in primetime three times a year. Right? No matter how good or bad the Bears are. So I'm, I'm fine, I guess, if he ends up on Chicago. It would at least make a Packers-Bears game marginally interesting, which it's been years since. Most Packers-Bears primetime games, the only interesting thing is how many points can Aaron Rodgers hang on to them uh, this time. So that would, that would spice it up at least a little bit. All right, the last thing we want to talk about in this NFL section is we're going to do a quick hit on free agency. Officially. Free agency opens on March 17th, a little over a week to go. So I'm going to ask you guys now for just thoughts, quick opinions, who the Ravens should sign of the current list of free agents, of who you think will become a free agent, uh, who they could sign, and who they should sign. You know, there's a difference between who we want them to get and who they will likely get. They do this uh, unemotionally and mathematically, whereas we do it with our heart. Uh, but a couple of names, guys, that you're thinking of that you think would be really 
nice fits uh, with the Ravens and, and who you'd like to, them to grab? So just I'll just go quickly here. I think the one thing, so it opens March 17th. So by the next podcast we do, free agency will have begun, and we'll be talking about some of these big moves, and I'm sure it'll be a loaded show um, because we like to talk and there'll be a lot of news. Um, it's supposed to be a bloodbath. It is the words that Diana Rossini, Peter Schrager, a lot of NFL insiders have used. First of all, nobody knows the cap yet, which is weird. Minor issue. We might not, minor issue. Once the cap is figured out, if you're on a big cap number and you did not play your top football last year, you are going to be cut because these teams are trying to save money. It is – every time we say this, it, it, the expectations get way out of proportion. It never ends up being as cool. This could be one of the craziest offseasons in the NFL. We've already talked about the quarterbacks. For me – Obviously, Allen Robinson is the guy I would love to come to the Ravens. It's never going to happen, so that's fine. Some other guys, Brandon Scherf and Joe Thune. Two guards, one from the Patriots, one from the Redskins, or excuse me, the Washington football team. If either of those guys can make their way to Baltimore, I would love it. Uh, I won't steal the center that Jace always talks about. He can have him. <laughs> Realistically, I'll just end it here. The Ravens are going to sign one of two players in free agency. You can guarantee it. They're either going to sign Sammy Watkins or A.J. Green, and one of those guys is going to come to Baltimore and not do anything. That sounds right, Tim. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, to your point, I mean, Scherf would be so perfect, but I think he's too good and probably outside of the... Too expensive, Jace, too expensive. Yeah, yeah, too expensive. He literally plays right guard, it just... Plugged him right into Marshall Yonda's hole there. All pro right guard. It would be so perfect. But, um, as you mentioned, uh, my dream scenario, my dream target probably has been Corey Lindsley, center for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I should say center probably formerly uh, for the Green Bay Packers because he's basically, he's come out and said it looks like I'll be snapping the ball somewhere else next year. He's not closing the door on the Packers. Um, but, you know... He sounds like he's going to get a good payday. Now, the downside, he's the best center on the free agent market. And so that means, realistically, the Ravens probably might end up with a center like Alex Mack, who, while quite good, um, is 36 and not 30 years old, like Corey Lindsley is. So, you know, they've had success with older centers in the past, Matt Burke. So if they signed Alex Mack, I'm not going to be upset about it. But I I think on the offensive line, Lindsley would be my desired target and then uh tim mentioned one of the other obviously sheriff but then thuny also would be just such a such a boon to the offensive line he's so good um but again the ravens because they're a good team often work in limited salary uh cap room so i don't think they'll get thuny either but i'm just so scared of all the free agent wide receivers i will say i mean like in a perfect world can we just can the Ravens just sign Kenny Galladay? Sure, but he'll get hurt in game two, and that'll that'll be that. And uh, him and Lamar will, for some reason, never get on the same page while, like, I don't know, James Prochet becomes our second leading receiver. Something something of that ilk. Willie Sneed's still prominently involved. Um, yeah, I think for me, I still look on the center. We joked about Jadavion Clowney, but he's going to be cheap this year. <laughs> and if they're needing any sort of edge rusher, uh, to, cause I do, it does not seem like they are using the tag on Judon. Um, we shall see, I guess, but 
it didn't seem promising for him to be on the team long term uh, with some of the things he said recently and um, uh, tweeted about. Uh, but yeah, um, my number one would be Corey Lindsley, but uh, I'm prepared to be uh, disappointed, I guess, in free agency as I am pretty much every year with the Ravens. Those are some some great names. I liked the the Kenny Galladay. Jace just seems perfect. If we do get him, he'll get an injury and have 300 receiving yards. And if we don't get him, he'll be a pro bowler next season, wherever he chooses to go. Uh, one other name I'll throw out. And th- this has been one of those things where he started as a sleeper. And then so many places and people have talked about him that he's now he's uh, overrated at, uh, all of a sudden. And it's Carl Lawson, defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's a guy who only had five and a half sacks, but rated super highly on all the sort of advanced metrics he has speed off the edge. The Ravens haven't had true speed off the edge since Terrell Suggs was like 23 years old. Uh, and a guy who, in theory, had five and a half sacks is not going to cost the J.J. Watt money. So it's somebody who you shouldn't maybe, you can, you know, pinch a few million dollars off of the contract and it's a guy that could work for the Ravens. Um, but he's been talked about so much that now I'm concerned that that's not going to be a thing that happens anymore, that he has too much attention on him. Uh, but Carl Lawson is is an intriguing name for me who would be a plug-and-play guy at a position of need for the Ravens. All right. Last thing to do is answer the random Raven. Uh, Jace is going to go through the clues one more time. I, I think Tim has one other thing that he'd like to go over. I'm not sure. Tim, would you want to do it pre-random Raven or post? We can save it Let- for right at the end. You know what? Let's do it right at the end because I have some breaking news. On the Ravens, it is very interesting, but I promise you we won't really have to talk about it. It's just <laughs> interesting, fun news that basically we'll use it at the very end. So you have to listen to the very end of this show to see what I'm talking about. Good, good. Make sure we get that last ad read in and uh, the revenue <laughs> right. from that at the end of the episode. Yeah, right. Uh, all right, Jace, with that, why don't you run through these clues of the very specific and random <laughs> Raven this week. So this player was a member of the inaugural Ravens team in 1996, joining the franchise upon the Browns' move to Baltimore. He rushed for 947 yards and four touchdowns and caught another 51 passes for 398 yards and a touchdown in two seasons with the Ravens before retiring from the NFL following the 1997 season. Despite his low yardage totals, he's just 17th in rushing yards in Ravens history, and despite playing just two seasons in Baltimore, This player was the first member of the Ravens' Ring of Honor. His career overall was quite successful, though. Originally a 10th-round draft pick by the Cleveland Browns in 1984, this versatile player rushed for 8,261 yards and caught another 512 passes for 4,605 yards in his career. He was also the leading rusher for the 1991 Super Bowl champion Washington Redskins and even had a touchdown in their Super Bowl 26 win over the Buffalo Bills. And then our final clue... Despite all these accomplishments, he's best remembered by NFL fans for what has been dubbed the fumble. His fumble just shy of the goal line that prevented the Cleveland Browns from tying the AFC Championship game late against the Denver Broncos in January of 1988. So, Antonio, I have a name here. So I'll just go for it. And again... I only know this because I've seen it in the Ravens Ring of Honor. Probably the only Ravens Ring of Honor member that could also be a random Raven, and that is Ernest Biner? It is indeed Ernest Biner, yep. Uh, 
uh, the most random member of the Ravens Ring of Honor. Uh, by a mile. <laughs> by a long shot, yeah. By a long um, shot. Was apparently just... Art Modell was just a huge fan of his. Uh, he was drafted by the Browns, spent a, a while with the Browns. They traded him to Washington. And then I, he ended up back with the Browns and then joined the Browns on their move to Baltimore. Uh, and yeah, apparently, I guess our, the deal was Art Modell just loved this guy and uh, made him the first member of the Ravens Ring of Honor, despite, you know, guys like Vinny Testaverde or, you know... Rob Burnett, he's not in the Ring of Honor, but he played in both cities and is significantly better in Ravens history compared to Ernest Biner. But yeah, Ernest Biner in the Ravens Ring of Honor uh, for reasons that remain mostly unclear. But um, yeah, good player, had a good NFL career, didn't do anything for the Ravens, sort of note, but is in the Ring of Honor. And not just in it, but the first member of it, which is what astounds me. I'd, like, want to, like, go back in time to that Ring of Honor ceremony and just, like, where all the fans just like, what? Huh? <laughs> What's happening? So, yeah, Ernest Biner. Uh, I uh, was just reading about Raven's Ring of Honor stuff and was reminded that he was in it. So I was like, oh, yeah. So I figured he'd make a good random Raven. So I had him in the back burner. I looked up the ring of honor somewhat recently i, th- I can't remember i think it was uh Haloti nada i was trying to see if Haloti nada was in the ravens ring of honor he's like pending he's they, like a fringe announced... fringe array he's like just on the outside of the ring yeah yeah they've i think they've announced he's going uh, him and yanda i think they've also announced like will get in but they're just waiting for fans and stuff, and so his name's waiting not on, on the list, but he's on the list. They're waiting on Ernest Biner's availability for the <laughs> ceremony, uh, and he's got a very busy schedule. Uh, Jace, that was a fantastic uh, selection. Uh, obvious and yet very difficult all at the same time. Uh, and with that, before we close out here, as a reminder, again, we will be on in two weeks. We're on the uh, every other week schedule in, in the off season here. We're going to turn to Tim, who ha- first he had a, a breaking news, and now it looks like it's just explosive have, news. Well, I have, I have actual, actual breaking news now. Uh, so we'll start with that. So disregard all of our Dak stuff. The Cowboys and Dak Prescott have agreed to a deal, according to Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, Albert Breer, all of them. Time of recording, the numbers have not come out yet, and we're not just going to sit here for an hour and then re-record something about Dak if... If he was our quarterback, maybe we would do something different. But, but good on them to get that in while we were still recording. You know, well, mean, well, well done by them. Legitimately right at the end. This just got tweeted out, and thank God I'm addicted to social media and had my tweet deck still open from working today, and it, there it is. So Dak Prescott is going to be a cowboy. Uh, we'll see the numbers here soon. Obviously, by the time you're listening to this, the numbers I'm sure will have come out. So guess what? He's staying there. Russell Wilson's not going there. My second piece, and arguably more important for Baltimore Ravens fans, I'm officially saying that we have to bring back a segment that we used to do on our old college radio station called Ed Reed Tweets. But this time, it's a different defensive back. It's Marlon Humphrey Tweets. This comes (laughs) from Sunday night. I missed this, and I'm really annoyed that I didn't put it in the rundown for earlier. This Sunday night, 8.46 p.m. Eastern Time, quote, me and Zendaya would probably be a good couple. I might make that move this year. Which, if you don't know, Marlon Humphrey, big hashtag come to the Ravens guy. Big 
trying to attract free agents. <laughs> like Jesus. big come to my house guy? Like what else? Well, no, 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 no. Oh. Here, here, here's why I'm saying this. Because this is coming from an article in the uh, in the BaltimoreRavens.com. In 2013, Zendaya actually performed the national anthem at a Ravens game. Ravens Steelers in prime time. So the Ravens quote tweeted his tweet with pictures of her doing the anthem and hashtag come back to the Ravens. Then Marlon Humphrey quotes that tweet and says, she already with the hashtag Ravens flock with the eyes emoji. So you heard it here first. Zendaya and Marlon Humphrey are totally getting that'd be the new. It's like the new Russell Wilson Sierra. It'd be the new power. I know. uh, Power couple. I I love it. That is way more. At least Marlon. (laughs) It's to me, it's way more important than the Dak Prescott actually having to deal with this. Uh, That's very funny. What a way to close. I love Marlon Humphrey. Good, lu- good <laughs> luck to you, Marlon. He's the best. He's yeah. the best. Shoot or shoot. Uh, we, if we've said it once, we've said it a hundred times. Shoot or shoot. Uh, and that's going to do it for us. We'll be back in two weeks talking about all the like shrewd moves that the Ravens made and all the foolish moves that teams without cap space make for Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens. I am Antonio Barbera. It was a pleasure being back, and we will see you again as we continue Ravens offseason here on Pod Like a Raven. We will be back in two weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.